It is 1.40 on January 16th. I'm Devin, and this is the DS Sports Podcast. We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, this is a really late show. A lot of planning. <clears throat> Lots of NFL and NBA, but we'll get right into it. Okay, so a bunch of coaches got hired this week, and that's the first thing I want to talk about. Um, more specifically, I want to talk about the Jaguars hiring former Florida head coach and former Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer. This team already had a bright future. You're getting Trevor Lawrence in the draft, hopefully. Um, so, if you have your quarterback for the future, what you need next? A coach, right? Urban Meyer's the right coach. He has a winning pedigree. Um, he, I'd say he's more of a CEO type of guy than a scheme guy, but um, he built two really great college football programs that still have pedigree today. Um, he solidifies the coaching position, I think, in uh, Jacksonville for at least five years. I know he's has some age issues, some health issues, but he he's there to build a foundation. I was talking about this a couple of days ago. But more than anything, he's going to build that foundation for probably the next the next guy, one of his assistants, to take over and really keep this thing going in Jacksonville as long as they build it right. Um, he has connections all around the league. Uh, his Ohio former Ohio State players and former Florida players. He's shown he can build a foundation and be a leader of men. I know he's had his issues at Ohio State. We're not going to get into that. But he he can be a leader of men, especially for these young guys who just came out of college. Even if he is that short-term guy, though. He's going to leave a winner, and I think he's going to be a great mentor and teacher for Trevor Lawrence and get this team off the right foot. They may not be a playoff team next year, but I do think with Urban Meyer uh, they have a, and Trevor Lawrence, they have a great future ahead of them. On to another topic for a team that has been in the same situation as the Jaguars just a couple of years ago. The Cleveland Browns, overcoming all odds. I know we talked about them a little bit on Tuesday, but it's been 20 years. My whole life, I'm 20 years old, they've been the laughing stock of the NFL. They've been the team. Everybody's like, oh, bad team, Browns. They lose, every, they lose almost every game. Just the greatness of this moment for them. I know they're going to probably lose to the Chiefs this weekend. But the greatness of this moment for this team, it it can't be beat. I can't think of a fan base that's happier right now than them. You lose your best receiver at the beginning of the season at Odell Beckham. You've had three coaches in three years. It looks like maybe this season is just another brown season. And then Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hindless offense overcome all of it. And they get to the playoffs and they win a playoff game against their division rivals in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are proven winners throughout 
the history of the NFL. You got veteran quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who seems to be done now. Great defense, and these come and the Browns come out and smack them. Um, before the before the wild card game, the guys at part of my take for Barstool Sports said, "This is the Browns Super Bowl," and it, I mean it really was, and they won their Super Bowl. If they if they beat the Chiefs this weekend, that just adds to it, but. I I could not be happier for a fan base than the Browns. They get all the hate. Baker gets all the hate. But they've been poised all season. They've dealt with all the issues, and they're here. They're here. They're in the divisional round. Um, Yeah, I don't think they're going away anytime soon. They're going to be fighting with the Ravens and probably the Bengals once they build a team around Joe Burrow for this division every single year. But for the next probably three years, it's going to be them and the Ravens fighting for a high seed in the AFC. They need to build up the defense. That should be a top priority in the offseason. But this team has all the upside in the world. On to the next topic. A team that isn't in as good a situation as the Browns or the Jaguars the Houston Texans and the Sean Watson. We're going to talk a little bit less about Houston than we are about why every team in outside of really Buffalo and Kansas City should be willing to give it up all up for Deshaun Watson. He was an elite quarterback this year with not much around him at all. Fuller got suspended. Cooks was in and out with injury. You had your coach get fired. You had an interim head coach. You had a horrible defense. You were always behind. And he came out game after game and was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think for almost any team in the NFL, he changes everything. He's that type of player. He he will make any playoff team, I believe, a contender. And anyone who's not a playoff team, at least a contending for the playoffs. I mean... I mean, any team with Deshaun Watson can win a division. You put him on the Jets next year, have a good draft, they can they can be competing with Buffalo for the AFC East. I really believe that. Um, like I said a, a couple shows ago, my Niners should be willing to give up everything to get him. Not a lot of NFL news this week. I just wanted to touch on the, those three topics. Uh, get right into our rebuild of the week. The Atlanta Falcons. We're going to fix them. They went 4-12 and this, uh, this season. Offense has all the potential in the world. Uh, it's their defense that needs a lot of work. Early, um, today they hired, or yesterday at this point, they hired... Uh, Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. I really like that hire. Um, really going to run the same system that Kyle Shanahan ran uh, when they went to the Super Bowl there. So, really like the fit there. Maybe bringing a, th- a 3 4 defense over, um, just changing it up a little bit. Uh, this team has a lot of building blocks. You have Matt Ryan, you have Julio Jones, you have Calvin Ridley, and you have Russell Gage. One of the best receiving cores in the NFL. You also have guard Chris Lindstrom, who's you picked in the first round a couple years ago. One of the best young guards in the NFL. 
Um, you have Grady Jarrett, one of the best interior defenders in the NFL. Really good start for your defensive line. You don't have much else on the defensive line besides him, but you have a good start. Um, Deion Jones, really good coverage linebacker. Mikel Walker, somebody who nobody is talking about, but if you watch the Atlanta Falcons, he he was a he's a rookie this year, undrafted free agent. Really, really, really great coverage linebacker. In my opinion, and this is a hot take, but he was probably the best rookie linebacker this season. Go and watch him. Go and watch all the plays he makes um, and how consistent he is in coverage. You also have Keanu Neal, who's a free agent. Unfortunately, you're probably not going to be able to bring him back, but he was a good young player in the state, in the secondary. Um and you're hoping Caleb McGarry and A.J. Terrell, your past two first-round picks, can work out at their respective positions. Uh, so you have a – this team's a playoff team with the right coaching, really. You don't need much else. And that shows in that they're $24 million over the cap in free agency, which isn't is one of their bigger issues. But the roster's there to make the playoffs. The defense needs to improve, but – you can definitely do that in the draft. Um, you don't really need to re-sign anyone. Um, you already have a Alex Mack replacement in um, Matt Hennessy. You have a Keanu Neal replacement in Jalen Hawkins. You're, you're probably got to cut a few players um, just to deal with the cap issues, but deal with that lack of cap space. This, this is all about getting the culture right and running the correct system with all of this talent on this team because there's no reason this team shouldn't be competing for a playoff spot next year um, with a likely Drew Brees-less Saints in their division and a Panthers team that's dealing – who knows who their quarterbacks could be. In the draft, this may be a little bit unpopular with Falcons fans. I don't really know how you guys are feeling about – Drafting a quarterback, but I think at four, you guys, the Atlanta Falcons have to draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson if you can. If they're available, you got to take them. Worst case scenario, I think you take Penny Sewell and you move uh, Caleb McGarry, or you try to move Caleb McGarry to guard. But if you can have a Jake Matthews, uh, Chris Lindstrom, Penny Sewell uh, core on your offensive line, you're in really good shape, and you're protect, you'll be able to protect an older Matt Ryan and then a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, or, well, I guess in this case, just Matt Ryan um, for next season. At In the second and third round, I think you have to go all defense and not linebacker. Um, between Jones, Walker, and uh, Foyasade Aluakon, um, you have a good young core linebacker. I don't think that's the issue. Also, I don't think linebackers really going to affect the defense too much. Um, but I think you should be looking to improve at the defensive line um, and corner. There's a lot of good uh, interior rushers and pass rushers around the second and third round. Same thing with corner. Um, some prospects I would say the Falcons would be um, – Smart to target would be Christian Barmore, the interior defender from uh, Alabama. Jason Owe, the 
edge rusher from Penn State, and Greg Newsom, who's a cornerback from TCU, I believe. I may be wrong on that. He's a corner, though. I really like him. Uh, but that's the Falcons. Going the next season with Arthur Smith's system, this defense just takes a little bit of a step, and your offense is playing the way it should be with a Kyle Shanahan, uh, Gary Kubiak system, Arthur Smith. Um, you should be back in at least in contention for the playoffs. This te- uh, the team's ready, um, and you're also expecting steps from young guys like Isaiah Oliver and A.J. Terrell. And even Calvin Ridley may be taking a step into being more of a number one receiver and Julio Jones may be taking that backseat role. On to our next uh, segment. I'd like to, before, before we get into more draft stuff as the year goes on, we get closer to the NFL draft. Uh, I'm going to go through my rankings of a couple of positions before we get really deep into it. And today we're going to go over quarterbacks. These are my preliminary rankings before I go like really deep into evaluating these prospects a little bit further. Um, I've watched all these guys a good amount, but I haven't like sat down and watched the film and evaluated them like I have with some people. Um, but that's a rough start to my top 10 quarterbacks for this year's NFL draft. At number 10, I have Kellen Mond, quarterback out of Texas A&M. I've always liked Mond. Um, if you watched, I think it was a seven overtime game two years ago against LSU he played in, I was just so impressed. It was him and Joe Burrow, and I thought he was the more impressive quarterback, which I felt... If if you watch that game, I think you look at that and you say, Mond outplayed Burrow in that game. This was before Burrow's breakout, of course, but I've always liked him. He's never been amazing. Like he hasn't ever had the consistency to move into like being a even a second round quarterback. But he has all the potential with really high end traits, really good athleticism, good arm, um three year starter. I'm excited for him on an NFL team maybe to develop behind somebody. He may never work out, but he does have some upside. At number nine, I have Sam Ellinger, the quarterback out of Texas. I've watched a lot of Ellinger. Again, my roommate is a Texas fan. I've never seen him as an NFL quarterback, um, but he may have the athleticism to move to tight end or something like that. He has all the athletic traits, really good, really good arm, really good athlete like Kellen Mond. Didn't really make a lot of NFL throws, um, but his leadership is there, and maybe he works out as an NFL quarterback. He he looks a lot like Tim Tebow on the field to me, maybe not as great of a runner, but we'll see. At number eight, I have JT Daniels, who may not declare. Um, quarterback, I have Georgia, former USC quarterback. So much talent to this guy. Former five-star. Um, great arm. I talked about him in the Georgia-Cincinnati preview. 
he only had one year, which is this year, where and he only played a couple of games where he played really well. But this year, he was he played at a, at a borderline elite level for college football. If he comes back next, if he comes back to Georgia next year, he may move his way into the first round. But he is at least a second, second or third round prospect to me right now. Probably a third round guy because you just need to see more out of him. At number seven, I have Jamie Newman, also a quarterback out of Georgia, though he never played for Georgia. Um, had a really good year at Wake Forest last season. He opted out for a 2020 season because of co- the all the stuff going on with COVID-19. I would have liked to see him play at Georgia this year with a great roster. Thought he maybe could move into being a first-round type of guy. Has a really good arm, really good athleticism. Really good decision-making as well. Didn't get to see enough at Wake Forest to uh, move into that first-round conversation. Um, But his his traits and ability may make him even a better quarterback than the next guy I, I have on this list. And that next guy is, at number six, Kyle Trask. Absolutely no mobility whatsoever. Um, he made a lot of plays this season to open receivers, Kadarius Tony and Cal Pitts. Had and he had some really bad games down the stretch. Um he showed good decision making as much as it's good decision making to throw to a wide open guy. But I don't have him as a first round type of guy. I have him as a second round guy, maybe with some upside, not much. At number five, I've had I have Mac Jones, the quarterback of Alabama, similar to Trask, but does everything that Trask does slightly better. Not really a lot of high end traits, but um, he's a smart quarterback with good decision making. At number four, I have Trey Lance. Lance has elite traits. He's a raw prospect, um, but he's a really good decision maker. Uh, he's He just needs a little bit more time coming out of North Dakota State. At number three, I have Justin Fields. Similar problem to Kyle Trask, but he has elite traits, really good arm, really good accuracy out of Ohio State. He would be the number one guy most years, and he has the ability to be a number one guy in this draft class if Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence don't work out. At number two, I have Zach Wilson, who's basically been what Baker Mayfield was at Oklahoma this season. He's played amazing all season. He has all the upside in the world. Um, he's the Really, the thing that sets him and Lawrence apart from everybody else is that he has that ability to hit those tight window throws and those throws downfield um, to guys who may not necessarily be open, but he throws them open. At number one, I have Trevor Lawrence, generational quarterback prospect. In my opinion, the greatest quarterback prospect of all time. Consensus number one overall pick to the Jaguars. What else needs to be said? If you haven't seen Trevor Lawrence... I, I, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but please continue to listen and learn more about Trevor Lawrence. 
But that's my quarterback rankings. Let's get on to some NBA stuff. This James Harden trade that happened this week may have possibly created the best trio in NBA history. Um, I hated the way Harden handled the trade request, but I do think the fit will work out in Brooklyn. The Rockets did a OKC Thunder-style trade, getting eight first-round picks from the Nets in this deal. Wasn't really anything... There wasn't really anything Houston could do to save themselves. Harden was going to make his way out of Houston if it was the last thing he did. Um, Rocket season is likely over without Harden, but um, their future may be in a much better place getting all those first-round picks. The Nets should become finals favorites. Their offense, for for sure, should be one of the best in the league. My my issue is the defense. I I I don't know how you play great defense with or with Kyrie, Harden, Joe Harris on the floor, and then also DeAndre Jordan who can't switch on the guards. Seventy Sixers are in really good shape. Not trading for him as I think I, I think there were tile contenders anyway without him. Uh, I want to see what Simmons and B can do together with a better coaching staff and a GM that's behind them. Um, Even though Simmons isn't having a great year. I didn't really get the Karis LeVert part of the trade um, for the Pacers, except to get a little bit more stability at the position because Oladipo is a free agent this offseason, so maybe just get a guy with a longer contract who's a very similar player. I don't know what the Pacers' ceiling is. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the power rankings coming up. Um, But Karis LeVert doesn't hurt them. Uh, Jared Allen is in a really good place because he now becomes one of the centerpieces for the Cleveland Cavaliers after getting traded over there. Um, Kudos to the Cavaliers for basically giving up, I believe, Dante Axum and a second-round pick to get Jared Allen, who's one of the brightest young uh, big men in this league. Cavs, the Cavaliers really helped their future. Now they have a young core of Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and um, Jared Allen now. I don't know what Victor Oladipo's future is, but it's likely not in Houston after this trade. We'll see what he does. He's probably the best player on the team now. But Houston's probably going into a rebuilding mode. I think Oladipo's going to try to improve his stock as much as he can before he hits free agency this offseason to hopefully get one more max contract. The most exciting thing for me, though, out of this trade is that it makes it way better for my Thunder that – the Rockets are going to be really bad immediately now, giving us the Thunder ha- got a bunch of uh, picks from the Rockets and the Russell Westbrook trade, and now those picks are going to be way more valuable because the Rockets are bad way sooner than anybody thought they would be. Let's get into my NBA power rankings. At number 30, I have the Thunder, same place as last week. 
Um, they had an up week to start out, but then they got back down to earth. And their win over the New York Knicks, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Hamadou Diallo, I think that's it. I'm saying that right. I'm a Thunder fan. I don't even know how to say his name. Um, broke out with 23 points and 11 rebounds. Then they beat the Nets um, with Kevin Durant playing. Love that. Shea scores 30, 31, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, Diallo has 25 points and 4 steals. Even, Al Horford even has a game with 22 points and 6 rebounds. Diallo's coming out as a break as a breakout player possibly this season. That's what you want to see from the Thunder in a year that's definitely a rebuilding year. Um, where they're not necessarily trying to win a lo- bunch of games, but find guys who can contribute to a team um, later on. But then later this week, they lost to Spurs. Darius Basley, Al Horford, Lugens Dort, they combined for 34% from the field. And then they lost to Lakers in a really bad game where they just weren't competing at all. The Thunder offense just isn't good at all. Um, Shea does seem to be turning it around and improving, and that's important. So you see Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Diallo breaking out, and that's good news. Don't think this is a very good team at all. At number 29, I have the Detroit Pistons, who are fighting their hardest to be that number 30 team. Um, In their loss against the Jazz, Blake Griffin could not get anything going and neither could the offense. Jeremy Grant's still playing extremely well, though. At number 28, I have the New York Knicks. I was right. The hype was not real. They're down two spots from last week. They lose a really bad game to Thunder where R.J. Barrett shoots 7 of 21 from the field. Alfred Pan also did not play very well in that game. Then they lose to Nuggets. R.J. Barrett goes 4 of 13 from the field, has three turnovers. Um, Then they lose to Hornets. R.J. Barrett 5 of 18 from the field. Emmanuel quickly also went 1 of 10. The defense... Is playing really well under Tom Thibodeau, and Julius Randle's playing great. But the way R.J. Barrett is playing, who's supposed to be the build, the number one building block for this team, is a real issue because he has been putrid this year. At number 27, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers moving up one spot from last week. Chetty Osman's been horrible. Um... Went 4 of 13 from the field and had 5 turnovers against the Bucks. They went 5 of 13 against the Grizzlies. Um, they, the whole team really struggled against the Jazz. And the offense has been really bad without Sexton and Garland. The reason the Cavs move up is mostly because the Knicks have been kind of bad. I mean, really bad. And the Cavs defense is still playing really well. And I... I think this addition of Jared Allen as possibly the best player on the team coming in um, is going to be really nice. At number 26, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who may be finding themselves at 30 pretty soon. They still couldn't even win a game with Carl Anthony Towns. Their lack of ability to shoot threes um, is really showing. They went 9 of 37 against the Grizzlies this week from the three-point line. 
Ricky Rubio and Anthony Edwards have been complete disappointments this season. Neither one has really helped the team at all. If you watch the, the Timberwolves, it's just those guys are really just on the floor and t- shooting shots. Um, at number 25, I have the Charlotte Hornets moving up two spots. It's the same Hornets, just the rest of these teams are not playing very well at all. It's entertaining team with LaMelo and now Gordon Hayward. Hayward popped off for 34 points against the Knicks. Um, in the loss against the Mavs, the team, the team shot 38% from the field, 26% from three. You don't like to see that. Um, but LaMelo Ball is playing extremely well, which is securing the future, and Gordon Hayward's playing really well, which secures the presence, the present at least, as a team that may compete for a playoff spot if they get a little bit better as the season comes along. Another team that I think I was right on, the Orlando Magic, down three spots from last week. Did not trust them, called it. Horrible game against the Rockets. As a team, Aaron Gordon, Dwayne Bacon, Terrence Ross all completely didn't show up against the Dallas Mavericks. And then Cole Anthony has a horrible game against the Bucks. I thought maybe he could do it, but Cole Anthony is not contributing well in Fultz's absence. He's um, only shooting 31% from the field, um, 18% from the three-point line. He's... Whew, the Magic may struggle big time this season. At number 23, I have the Sacramento Kings moving down one spot from last week. Their team defense is atrocious. Um, they gave up 144 points to the Raptors. Also gave up 125 to the Blazers. Um, Buddy Heald went 3 of 10 in that game. Defense, Their defense is the worst in the NBA right now. De'Aaron Fox is struggling, and Marvin Bagley continues to be atrocious. They got to get things right, move Tyrese Halliburton into his starting lineup, or they'll be taking more of a fall as the season goes along. At number 22, I have the San Antonio Spurs moving up three spots from last week. Keldon Johnson had 18-7 and seven versus the Thunder in what was a breakout game. He's averaging 15-7 and seven this season, but his defense has really been the real surprise. I really liked him coming out of Kentucky as a long scorer who can shoot sometimes and can make his own shots, create his own shots sometimes. We'll see if it continues, but he's definitely been kind of a breakout star for them this season. They're playing like the Spurs. Their upside is questionable with DeRozan and Aldridge as their best players, but we'll see. Uh, at number 21, I have the Chicago Bulls moving up two spots from last week. They only played two games this week um, against the L.A. teams. Offense is playing really well. Zach Levine's hitting his stride. Kobe White needs to learn how to play defense. That's pretty much the synopsis for the Bulls. At number 20, the Wizards. This team has so much upside. The win, the win against the Suns says it all. They are moving down one spot, but they'd be a really good team in the Suns. They're be, they were firing on all cylinders in that game, offense and defense. Westbrook was out, but Beal scores 34. Raul Neto, who's 
becoming a real contributor for this team gets 16. Um, Davis, Bert, Davis Burns had a really good game. Uh, maybe he's fine in his rhythm, scored 18 points in that game. Um, their offense is really nice, even more so when Westbrook is playing if he's efficient, which is once in a while. But they've lost a bunch of close games, which I think will regress back to a mean. Um, losing Thomas Bryant sucks for the season, but the Wizards may be able to compete for a playoff spot once they get on track because the talent is there. <coughs> At number 19, I have the Memphis Grizzlies moving up one spot. Brandon Clark and jo- Jonas Valanciunas played really well against the Cavs. And then they followed that up with 19 and 24, respectively, against the Timberwolves. Grayson Allen and De'Anthony Melton also played really well in that game. The team's fighting together. They're dealing with injuries with Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. out, but they're playing really good defense, and they're fighting as a team. At number 18, I have the Atlanta Hawks. They actually played defense in their win over the Sixers, um, but injuries are still an issue for this team, and Cam Reddish needs to get off the floor. I hate seeing all these Duke players that I really like. I really liked in college um, not playing well, but he's not helping the team at all. At number seventeen, I have the New Orleans Pelicans staying at the same spot. Shout out to my boy Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, former Virginia Tech. Standout, 37 points against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm saying it here now. He should be starting over Lonzo Ball. Uh, The Pelicans in general are struggling with threes and turnovers. They're a young team. They'll get together. But they're building a physical defensive identity, which I like, led by Steven Adams in the middle. At number 16, I have the Houston Rockets beginning their fall from grace after the James Harden trade. Down three spots from last week. You lose one of the best players in the league in James Harden. Not that they were playing particularly well with him, but um, Christian Wood continued his stellar season. He dropped 22 points, 15 rebounds, two blocks against the Magic. Uh, He but that was followed by back-to-back losses against the Lakers where John Wall looked like he was completely done in this league. Um, a Christian Wood Oladipo-led team I don't think has much upside in this NBA. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I think it's the beginning of a long, sad season for the Houston Rockets, and this is just the beginning of their fall. At number 15, I have the Portland Trailblazers. Up one spot from last week. C.J. McCollum scored 37 against the Kings. He's he's playing just as well as Damian Lillard this season. Um, add Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony to the list of guys who should not be playing right now. Uh, he looks washed again on both sides of the floor. Yusuf Nurkic and Derek Jones Jr. are beginning to show a little bit of life on defense, which is really important for this team as a great offense, but a team that, like I said last week, can't really play defense. Hopefully that continues and they get better on that side of the floor. At number 14, I have the Indiana Pacers, up one spot from last week. 
I see the Oladipo Karis Levert trade as likely a lateral move. They're similar players. Levert's younger. Um, Sabonis continued his MVP <laughs> campaign against the Blazers. 23 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 2, two blocks, I believe. Um, Brogdon play, is playing like Robin to Sabonis' Batman. He had uh, 25, 5, and 7 and three steals in that game. This team's continuing to play like a contender right now, and they may be this year's version of the Miami Heat. At number 13, I have the Utah Jazz up one. Uh, they're finding their footing. They were dominant this week uh, versus the Bucks. Donovan Mitchell had 32. Jordan Clarkson had 26 versus the Pistons. Donovan Mitchell had 28. Conley had 22. Versus the Cavs, Don Mitchell had 27, Clarkson had 21, Bogdan Bogdanovich found himself uh, scoring 20, and even Georges Niang gave us 14 points. Um, Don Mitchell seems to be pulling out of his slump. The, as usual, the Jazz are playing really good defense, and this is a really good three-point shooting team, which gives them real upside. At number 12, I have the Toronto Raptors. I don't want to give up on them yet. Uh, they showed their potential against the Kings with their youngish talent, uh, without Kyle Lowry. Van Vliet had 34.7 assists. Siakam had nearly a triple-double of 17, 9, and 12. Chris Boucher had 23, 10, and 10 rebounds and 3 blocks. Terrence Davis even poured in 18 points. Kyle Lowry's not the same player anymore. I think we're safe to say that. But this team has potential and is better than their record. I'm not going to give up on this team yet. I think they're for sure a playoff team. They just have to get their stuff together. At number 11, I have the Golden State Warriors. Curry looked amazing against the Clippers. Uh, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 3 steals. Andrew Wiggins and Eric Pascal helped, helped out in that game. Uh I think Kelly Oubre is really holding this team back. He just doesn't help at all when he's on the floor. A switch to Steph Curry's brother-in-law, Damian Lee, may be in order. I, Draymond Green continues to struggle. I, I really don't know what he's on the floor for. He's not been great defensively. I know he's a good passer, but he I don't know how much value he really brings to the squad. At number 10, I have the Phoenix Suns down two spots from last week. That loss to the Wizards really stings. They went 4 of 27 from 3 in that game. Uh, they allowed 128 points. I don't care that Devin Booker scored 33 in that game. You allowed Bradley Beal to get 34. I like this team, but Devin Booker needs to step up, in my opinion. And I'm going to watch some Suns games over the course of the next week, and I need to see Devin Booker start to play, give some effort, man. At number nine, I have the Boston Celtics. They've been dealing with COVID issues this week. They only played one game against the Wizards, which they won um, before Tatum and everybody else got out with COVID. Tatum and Brown are carrying this team. Uh Bleacher Report has the Celtics at number two, which I don't understand. They're my favorite team in the league, but I would not put them as the second-best team. Uh, 
when this team is healthy and Kimba comes back, they could be contenders, but they're until everybody's back, I don't really I'm not sure where where this team is. At number eight, I have the Miami Miami Heat moving down two spots. Last year's darlings are losing their luster. I don't I don't care that Gabe Vincent scored 21 against the Sixers. Uh, he went 6 of 17 from the floor. He had five turnovers. He should not be on the floor. Uh, Kelly Olenek played 38, playing 38 minutes is never a winning formula, but I guess that's what you have to do when part of your team's out with COVID. Uh, Tyler Hero really needs to step up. I just don't see the same magic that this team had last year. Bam Adebayo and Jimmy can't do everything. And right now they're feeling like they have to. <coughs> At number seven, I have the Denver Nuggets up three spots from last week. Nikola Jokic is finally getting the help he needs. Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, um, Monte Morris, Will Barn, and Jermichael Green all played really well this week. Gary Harris, who I bashed last week, actually, he even poured in 21 against the Sixers. Um, Gang Michael Porter Jr. back soon will help this team have some unbelievable upside, but we just got to see it happen. At number six, I have the Philadelphia 76ers moving down one spot from last week. They had COVID-riddled game against the Nuggets, which may have actually helped because they found some guys who really can't contribute and Isaiah Joe, and Dakota Mathias. But they may have found a real contributor in Tyrese Maxey, who had 39, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, um, and 2 steals in that game. Add Danny Green as another player who is washed up. What's more concerning than anything is their game against the Hawks. And B played really well, but the team could not hit a 3. They showed some life against the the Heat in their next game, but um, with Shake Milton dropping 31 and Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, who's now in the starting lineup, helping out. But I got to see a little bit more from Ben Simmons, and I got to see his team play a little bit more consistently. At number five, I have Dallas Mavericks. Luka had a tough game against the Magic, but Tim Hardaway steps up. With 36 points, Trey Burke scores 29 in that game. Uh, Luca was back to his old self in the in their game against the Charlotte Hornets. He had 34 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and four blocks. If these, but what's more important is that if Luke Luca's always going to play good, but if these supposed role players, Tim, Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke can step up this team has a real chance um they're dealing with COVID issues right now but that's short term this team's playing really great defense as well consistency from your role players and really great defense is long-term um leads to long-term success and number four I have the Los Angeles Clippers moving down one spot they played really sloppy against the Warriors you hate to see it. Um, Lou Williams taking a step back. 
I think this team still has championship upside, but they need to start playing like it every night. Uh, at number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets moving up one spot. No, I do not have them at number one. The Harden trade makes them possible title favorites, but I'm not. A loss to the Thunder with Kevin Durant playing hurts big time. Uh, Joe Harris was horrendous in that one. He's the fourth option, and he might actually matter a lot to this team. He needs to play consistently well every night. I need to see the trio of Kyrie, Harden, and Durant together before I move them up. But they may eventually make their way to the top. Their big issue, I think, like I said before, is going to be defense. At number two, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. This Bucks team has a real, it's like a complete dominance feel to it. Uh, Middleton dropped 27 against the Cavs. Bobby Porter drops 20 against the Magic. Team's great on both ends of the floor. Chris Middleton has been lights out this season. Of course, Giannis is playing great. At number one, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. They're the best team in the league. Montrezl Harrell dominates off the bench against the Rockets. He also dominated off the bench against the Thunder with 21 points. The team went lights out for three uh, against the Rockets on their second game. They have so many ways to win. Um, Montrezl Harrell might be fighting for another six-man-of-the-year award. I don't really see a lot of weaknesses on this Lakers team. Right now, I think the Nets are title favorites just because of the upside with those three guys. But the Lakers are the best team in the league right now. So that was the Power Rankings, and that was our podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday, uh, hopefully with the NFL mock draft and some awards predictions for the NFL and the NBA. Um, but this was the DS Sports Podcast. Thank you for watching, and God bless.